This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the broadcast ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today we continue in the series, Essentials for Living. In these lessons, Pastor Rick shares the power you need to live on, the principles you need to live by, and the purpose you need to live for, so that you're truly living and not just existing. Now in just a few minutes, we're going to tell you how to get a copy of the Daily Hope Gold Scripture Box called Verses of Hope, a great way to keep God's Word right at your fingertips all year round. You can go to PastorRick.com or you can text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004 to find out more. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with the final part of a message called How to Invest Your Life. Number two is self-consciousness. That's the second fear. And the self-consciousness comes up when, let's say you're good at dancing, but you become self-conscious about it. Or you're good at singing, but you become self-conscious about it. And really behind that fear is worrying, what will other people think? Now, if you worry about what other people think in life, you may as well go ahead and dig your grave right now, get in it and cover up because you're already dead. Because you're gonna learn real soon in life that you can't please everybody, is that true? And so you can't worry about what other people think. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a snare, it is a trap. It's what keeps you from developing because you worry, what will other people think? The moment you put out your shingle, somebody's gonna throw rocks at it. The moment you attempt anything in life, somebody's gonna criticize it. Every time we've done anything great here at this church, there have always been critics, always. When we decided to buy this land, there were people saying, who do you think you are? Church buying, you know, 120 acres. And there were critics of that. And then when we decided to build a tent and put up a tent, they said, why are you spending money on a tent? And people were critical of that. And then when we decided to build this building, they said, we should stay in the tent. We shouldn't, you know, <laughs> we shouldn't move into this building. And, you know, now we're building the ministry center. I actually heard somebody the other day say, why are we putting up all these beautiful trees? You know what? If you worry about what other people think, nothing will ever get done in your life. You just have to do what God tells you to do, and that's all you're accountable for. You are not accountable to please everybody else. That is not your goal in life. Your goal is to do what God tells you to do. So don't get self-conscious about it. As Tom pointed out, we often excuse ourselves by pointing at other people as, as well, she's got more talent. If I had her talent, well, of course, I could really become a, a great person. Or if I could close deals like he does, if I could make that sale like she does, if I had the leadership ability like he does, well then, just because you can't be a superstar does not excuse you to do nothing. Just because you can't be the best at what you're talented at does not allow you to sit by and be a, a spectator, a passive a watcher of life rather than actually a participator in life. If you've got only one talent, and of course you've got more than that, but if you've only got one, you better use it to the fullest extent of your life. You are not called to be the best in the world. You are called to be the best that God made you to be. And that's what God's going to evaluate you for. Now the third one, and this is the greatest fear of all, is self-pity. And self-pity is, well, I failed in the past, so I'm afraid that I will fail again, so I'm never going to try. Some of you have allowed your past to keep you from being used by God. You think, I could never be used by God. Rick, you don't know my checkered past. I've had some major failures. I've had some moral failures. 
I've had some relational failures. I've had some financial failures. I have just really blown it in life, so I'm sure that I'm on God's B team or C team, and God could never use me. Well, you're dead wrong. You're just having a pity party, because God has never said that. God has never said, well, you can't be used because of your past. You know, there were two disciples who had spectacular failures. Two of the 12 who followed Jesus. One was named Peter and one was named Judas. They both committed the exact same sin. They both denied Jesus in the crunch. When it was in the clutch time, right before the cross, both of them did the exact same thing. They betrayed Jesus. They denied him. But they responded to their failure in very different ways. Judas went out, had a pity party, and hung himself. He committed suicide. That was the end of his life. Peter, on the other hand, went out, wept bitterly over it, grieved about it, repented, asked God to forgive him, and picked himself up, dusted himself off, and went back to serving God. And Peter, the man who denied Jesus three times, was the same guy out of all the disciples that Jesus decided to choose that 40 days later he would speak to the whole city of Jerusalem on a day called Pentecost. 3,000 people became believers and the church was born. Of all the people God could have used to start the church, he uses the guy with the biggest failure. I like that. That means there's room for me in the family of God. That means there's room for you in the family of God. That God loves to use failures. Moses was a murderer and God used him. David was an adulterer and God used him. Jacob was a massive business failure and God used him. Abraham was such a coward that he once told his wife twice, honey, tell him you're my sister so they won't kill me to take you. <laughs> now most of us husbands couldn't get away with that one. <laughs> okay, I mean that just isn't gonna happen today. And yet God took every one of these, picked them up, cleaned them off, and used them in great, great ways. God uses imperfect people. If God only used perfect people, what would get done in this world? Nothing, because there are no perfect people. So God uses people with hang-ups, and God uses people with checkered pasts, and God uses people who have insecurities, and God uses people who don't have it all together, and God uses people who don't even know what their motives are half the time and have mixed motives. I have up here a brand new $50 bill. How many of you would like this $50 bill? God bless you, thank you, God bless you, yes, God bless you. I see that hand, yes, all right. Now, okay, scrunch it all up here. How many of you would still like it? Oh, oh, you still like it, all right. How many of you would still like it? Oh, still like it. Here's the point. No matter how dirty, no matter how used, no matter how trashed it gets, crumpled, it had not decreased in its original value. Gotcha. Sometimes in life, we get dropped. And sometimes we get stomped on and ground into the ground. And sometimes we get dirty. 
from our own stupid choices. And sometimes we get our lives so messed up we don't know if we'll ever be able to unravel it. But you have not lost your original value. In God's eyes, you are priceless. When are you going to stop making excuses for why God can't use you? Your original value to God is still there. It has not changed. And it doesn't matter whether you're all crumpled up or whether you're creased real nice. It doesn't matter whether you've gotten dirty or whether you're really clean. God can clean you up and he can straighten you out and your value is still the same. So stop having a pity party about your past and start letting God use you in the present and developing your talent because one day you will give an account for how well you invested your life. It doesn't matter where you've been. What matters is what direction your feet are headed today. Today, and that's your choice. Did you notice in verse 24, this Matthew 25, this guy gives a little complaint. He prepares a little speech, the guy who hid his talent. And it says, then the master who had received one talent came and he said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. Notice what he's doing. He's blaming his boss. He's justifying himself. He's saying, it's your fault, sir, that I failed. You're a hard man, and I knew it, so I hid it in the ground. It's your fault. The reason I failed is because you were so unreasonable. Question. Who are you blaming for your lack of serving God? Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for not being in the center of God's will. Well, you know, if I had just married somebody else, I could have really been a great Christian. If I could have just gotten married, I could have really gone far in this world. And if I had had different parents, then I really would have amounted to something in my life. And if I hadn't gone through that divorce, or if I had had a different brother and sister, or if I had had different children than the ones that I've got, well, then maybe I really would have made something of my life. Quit blaming other people. You are as close to God as you choose to be. No more and no less. You are as spiritual as you want to be. You can't blame anybody else. If you're close to God, it's because you've chosen to be close to God. If you're far, it's because you have moved. God didn't. He hasn't ever moved. So to stop blaming other people. You see, it is fear that always causes me to make excuses for why I haven't done more with my life, and it is fear that causes me to blame other people for the problems in my life and why I can't do more than I'm doing with my life. Now, let me tell you something. I've learned this one from experience. Satan will most likely attach a fear to your greatest talent because he doesn't want you to use it for God's glory. So if you're good at, say, Singing, he'll say, well, you know, you can't do that. Or if you're good at planning, well, you couldn't do that. And on and on. Many of you who've been around here know a long time that one of my biggest fears has been the fear of public speaking. You say, you got to be kidding. No, I'm not kidding you. I'm honest. What would have happened if I had given in to my fears? There would be no Saddleback Church. Many of you would be headed for hell, and a lot of people wouldn't have been blessed. 
Okay? Now, you must move against your fear. You must do the thing you fear the most. Because Satan wants to keep you from using your talent for making the contribution that God puts you on this earth to fulfill. And if you don't do it, you will report to God one day why you let fear keep you in a box. You must move against your fear. And you must make a contribution, helping others with the talents God gave you. Principle number six, application. If I don't lose it, I, if I don't use it, I lose it. The sixth principle of life investment application is if I don't use it, I'll lose it. Verse 28, the master says, take the talent from him who didn't use it and give it to the one who has 10 talents. Have you ever noticed this in life? The people who are really talented seem to get more talented. And people who don't really have a whole lot going for them seem to oftentimes get less. What's going on here? That doesn't sound too fair. Why is it that sometimes the person who's got one talent, all of a sudden, he doesn't have any talent anymore? Because they didn't use the one that God gave them. Now this, folks, is a universal principle. God has the right to take away anything in your life that you don't invest for him. God has the right to take away anything in your life that you don't use correctly and for his glory. Why should he let you have it? Now, this principle of use it or lose it is a universal principle. It's true with muscles. If I don't use my muscles, I lose my muscles. That's why doctors want to get you out of bed after surgery real quick. They don't want you laying flat. If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't exercise, your muscles get smaller. With, with, with your money, if you don't invest it, you, you know, you're going to lose it. It's true with your mind. If you don't learn to think, if you don't use your mind, you'll lose your mind. You get duller and duller and duller as you get older because your mind's a muscle. You must keep it exercised and growing. If you have a talent and you refuse to practice, you will lose that talent. Now, the opposite is also true. If you do use it, you get even more of it. And so if you use your muscles, guess what? They get bigger. If you take a little bit of money and you invest it, it gets bigger. That's true in any area of life. When you do use it, it multiplies. Hebrews 13, 21, God says, I will equip you with all you need for doing my will. That's a promise. So here's a question. What do you need more of? What do you need more of in your life? Is there anybody here who needs more, say, energy in your life? Is there anybody here who needs more time in your life? How about money? How about talent? Yeah. Here's the secret. Whatever you need more of, listen, take the little that you've got and start using it in serving other people unselfishly, and God will multiply it. It is a promise. You say, I can't, I don't have time to serve other people. I don't have time to minister. I don't have time to do something unselfish. I don't have enough time to get all the things I need to do done. That's why. Because God never meant for you to be a selfish little clod that spends all your time on yourself. <laughs> why would God give you more time if you're just going to spend it on you? It's kind of like tithing. 
The principle of tithing, that the first principle, first 10% of what I make goes back to God. Why? Because when I give part back to God, God takes the other 90% and makes it stretch further and pay more than I would have if I'd kept all 100% myself. Now that's true with your time, and that's true with your talent, and that's true with anything in life. If you don't use it, you lose it. And the way you get more is you invest what little you've got. So if you don't have enough time in your life, you really need to start serving because you're out of balance. You're, it's all take in, take in, take in for me. Where in your life are you doing something totally unselfish that is unrewarded that you don't get any credit or money for? It's just volunteer service. Is there any area in your life that you're just volunteering service and getting nothing back for it? If not, you're out of balance. Now here's the sixth principle, or the seventh principle. It's compensation. If I use my talents, I will be rewarded. If I use my talents, I will be rewarded. Now verse 23 says this. His master replied when he comes back home, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now look at this verse because it gives the three rewards that God gives when we use our talents in ministry to serve others, to make a contribution in the world. First, we get the affirmation of God. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now God says, good job, well done, that's my boy. Atta girl. What's he saying here? You know, the affirmation of God in your life is far more important than any other affirmation you could possibly get from anybody else. Number two, not only is God's affirmation, God's promotion. You've been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. You get promoted. Did you know that in heaven, your responsibility that you'll be given for eternity is going to be based on your faithfulness here on this earth? And if you mess up and don't do anything with your life on earth, why would God give you some major responsibility in eternity? If you're faithful in the few talents you have here on this earth, God is going to give you greater capacity and greater ability to serve him for eternity in heaven. On the other hand, if you just waste or spend or blow the few talents you've got right here, and you use them all in yourself, don't expect God to give you the promotion in heaven for what you're going to do the rest of eternity. And then notice there's not only affirmation and promotion, there's celebration. Come and share your master's happiness. He says, I'm smiling on you. It's party time. Let's celebrate. And God knows how to throw a party. Do you really want to be happy? Do you really want to raise your self-esteem? Do you want to feel like you're making a significant difference with your life? Then you need to find a place and start making an unselfish contribution with your life on a volunteer basis. Use your talents to serve God by serving others. If you do that, what happens? Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. All the other things you're worried about, he'll take care of. Now, it doesn't say seek second, third, fourth, or fifth. It doesn't say finish your to-do list and then see if you've got any time for ministry. It doesn't say fill your schedule up and fulfill it and then see if you've got any time for unselfish service. It says, no, put it first. Think of somebody else first. And God says, when you do that, I'll take care of you. Let's bow our heads. Would you pray this prayer? Father, I realize that you placed me on this earth to make a contribution, not just to be a consumer. 
And I don't want to live a selfish, shallow life thinking only of myself. I really do want to make a difference with my life. But Lord, I've gotten so busy and I've packed my life so full that I haven't made time for anybody else or for you or for what's most important. Forgive me for getting out of balance. I want to invest my life and talents in the things that matter most. Help me to know what to cut back in my life so I'll have time to serve you by serving others. In faith today, I'm going to commit to serving in some ministry today, believing that you will help me find the time to make it possible. If you've never committed your life to Christ, why don't you add these two sentences? Say, Jesus, I want to get to know you and your plan for my life. And I want to follow you from here on out. I ask you to come into my life and change me and save me. Help me to use my life and talents to worship you. In your name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Rick. If you just prayed to accept Jesus Christ into your heart, congratulations. You're now my brother or sister in the Lord, and you need to tell somebody, and why don't you tell me? Write to me, rick at pastorrick.com. Just email me, rick at pastorrick.com, and tell me your story. I would love to read it. And by the way, I'll send you some free material to help you start in your new journey with the Lord. God bless you. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. You can get hope and encouragement from Pastor Rick delivered to your inbox every day. Just go to PastorRick.com and sign up for his free daily devotional. Rick will be back to close out our time today, but first, in order to live for God in the most meaningful way possible, we need to have His Word deep down in our hearts. That's why Pastor Rick created a spiritual growth tool called the Verses of Hope Scripture Box. Here's Rick to tell you more. One of the most powerful ways you can transform your spiritual life is to memorize Scripture. You say, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. The Bible says in Proverbs 7, verse 2, guard my words as your most precious possession. Write them down and keep them deep within your heart. To keep them deep in your heart, you have to remember them. That's why I've had my team create a beautiful gold scripture box so you can practice memorizing the verses that we give you and some that you can develop on your own. Now, we've started a collection of 40 verses about hope. These are going to encourage you when you feel down and discouraged. It's a collection that will help you keep God's Word in you so you have it when you need it. Now, I had a graphic artist create Bible verse cards with multiple graphic designs and really cool colors, so you're going to enjoy studying these verses. It's not just words on a blank card, but the colors will actually help you remember uh, these Bible verses. And to help you develop the habit of memorizing Scripture, we've included 64 full-color decorated cards with lines that you can practice writing out your favorite verses. So in addition to the 40 verses of hope, you can write down verses that are meaningful to you, that come to you in your quiet time. 
And I want to encourage you to use these cards to write down the scriptures that you want to put in your mind and to hide in your heart. And then when you need them, the Holy Spirit can bring them back to mind. Now, the Holy Spirit can't bring up something you haven't put in your heart or in your mind. So store them in this beautiful gold box. It's a real pretty box that will make a great conversation piece. Now, my hope is that this tool will help you learn to love God's Word, listen to God's Word, and live God's Word as you share it with others. Now, while you're working on these verses and some of the verses you want to do, my team's actually working on new sets of Bible verses that will be released throughout the year that you can add to your collection. So I hope you'll get this tool. We're doing it for you. We'll send you the Gold Verses of Hope Scripture Box when you give a gift today to help Daily Hope take the hope of Jesus to people around the world. Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. Or you can text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thanks again for your support. Join us again next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.